Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. MASH Matters is back. Hello, hello, hello. I am Ryan Patrick. (laughs) And I'm Jeff Maxwell. (laughs) I'm sure you couldn't tell. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hey, Ryan Patrick. How are you? We're up to episode 25. Only three away from 28. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. If this is the first time you're listening to MASH Matters, you need to go back and listen to old episodes to see what is so special about episode 28. Mm. Yes, it'll be coming up very soon. And uh, I don't know, this might change everything, Jeff. Please keep your children out of the room during Podcast 28. (laughs) Keep them in bed, safe, Mm -hmm. warm, tucked in, security agents around them. You never know what's going to happen on Episode 28. I don't even know. You don't. You do not know? I don't. I don't know the story, but there's a big story coming up very, very soon. But until we get to episode 28, now we're on episode 25, and we're going to be going through some more listener questions here. Now, please forgive my voice. I'm going to say that right now because I've been sick again this week. The return of the sinus infection. You know, I'm starting to get, I'm concerned about this. This How how many sinus infections have we gone through? I'm I'm a little nervous. What's going on over there in, in Illinois? What do you think is going on? Trust me, if it was in Illinois and it was a widespread issue, there would be a sinus tax in Illinois. It has not gotten that bad yet, but just around the corner, they're taxing everything else. Uh, No, I I get these sinus infections a a couple times at least a year. And I I go to the doctor, they give me a a shot in the keister and give me the steroids and everything. And so I am ripped from this thing. All these steroids I'm taking, I'm I'm bulking up. So All right. Yeah. Do you, do you use, I know we'll get to that mash thing in a minute, but let's talk about sinuses. This is the new sinus podcast. Number one, this is the first sinus podcast. Do you, have you ever tried a neti pot? Is that the most awful thing in the world? You stick the thing in one side of your nose and then tilt your head and then it comes out the other side. I've, I have never used the neti pot. I have friends who swear by it. But I cannot do it. I think there would be so much anxiety over sticking a teapot up my nose yeah. because that's not where teapots are supposed to go. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. The good Lord made teapots for one reason and one reason alone, to hold and pour tea. That's it. Have you seen the new one that they have? At? It's like an electric neti pot. You, you, oh. know, automa- you stick it in one side and it just automatically shoves the stuff through your nose on one side and then comes out the other and then is deposited to a glass, a clear glass container for you and your family's enjoyment. <laughs> I, I, I just cannot- Sell tickets. <laughs> sell tickets. I cannot imagine doing that I would rather, you know, lay in bed for a month I, instead of looking at that. What an awful thing idea that is. Okay, two thoughts here. One is I'm not going to stick anything that's attached to electricity in my nose, period. <laughs> well, maybe on a weekend. I mean, a good <laughs> slow weekend. Secondly, why they did not call it the snot pot instead of the neti pot is beyond me because that would be a uh, marketing uh, home run right there, I think. Well, Wait a minute. Hold everything. Mm-hmm. It's just you and me. There's nobody else listening. Okay. No, we run them off by right now. <laughs> yeah, they all, <laughs> they've all turned it off in the cars. They've stopped doing the exercises and taking the headphones off. <laughs> 
No. All right. Snot pot. I like that. I'm going to call the attorneys tomorrow. Maybe I'll call them now. We, I think we own snot pot. We do an infomercial, a snot pot infomercial. Oh my God. This is big. <laughs> this is big. And folks, you can get in on the ground floor for just a small investment yes. of $12,000. Yes. You too can have a snot pot. That's right. Oh God. Well, it was good talking to you, Ryan, and take care of yourself. Great, great episode. Yeah. Great episode, Jeff. Now we've got more things to talk oh. about. I want to give a couple of shout outs here. First one goes out to one of our listeners, Rick Houston. Mm. Back when we were talking to Mike Farrell. Yes. That was around the time of the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And so we get a message from Rick Houston, who is one of our listeners, saying, hey, I wrote a book about the space program back then and even into the 90s. Would you like a copy? And one of my hobbies is I collect uh, autographed books. And I said, well, yeah, obviously, if you sign it. And so he sent you and me a, a copy of his book, Go Flight, The Unsung Heroes of Mission Control 1965 to 1992. We wanted to give you a shout out. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, too. If you're interested in NASA and the space race and all that, you can read Rick's book. Uh, he also sent a copy to Mike Farrell, which is which is terrific. So great. Yeah, that's great, Rick, for doing that. It's a really great book. Highly recommended to anybody interested in the space program, even if you're not, uh, because it really does uh, discuss all the folks who were at the control centers and really took care of our astronauts and were, were really responsible for getting them up and back safely. It's a remarkable uh, study of it and a remarkable uh, description of all those guys and highly recommended. Again, thank you, Rick Houston. Yeah. Go flight. It was the inspiration for a, a documentary called Mission Control, the Unsung Heroes of Apollo, too. So yeah. uh, you can uh, find that streaming as well. So, yes, thank you, Rick, for the books. And, hey, if anybody wants to send us gifts, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. And uh, yeah. right now I'm wearing an XXL size T-shirt, but I'm mm -hmm. trying to get down to XL. I could use a new neti pot if anybody's thinking about that. Send all the neti pots to Jeff. Send everything else to me. XXL, Netty Pot, please. Yeah, really big nostrils. Yeah, for really big nostrils. You know what that means. Anyway, <laughs> but I won't go there. Speaking of things that you can buy online, I want to give another shout out to a friend of mine, Steve Holstein, who also listens to this podcast. He sent me a picture of Henry Blake's sweater. Now, it's not the actual Henry Blake sweater, the one with the big eye from uh, University of Illinois on the front. It's not the one that he wore on the show. However, the Illini shop there in Champaign, Illinois, is actually right now selling reproductions of Henry Blake's sweater. Wow. It's really cool. And uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, and we're going to throw this on our Facebook page as well. Now, I will tell you, it's not cheap, but it's a really nice-looking sweater. And it's got the big eye on the front, and it looks exactly like it should. And Halloween is coming up. So if you want to go for Halloween as Henry Blake, this would be a great way to do it with the official MASH Illini sweater. Oh, that's pretty cool. Where, where is that? Where do, you, where do you get one of those? You can get it at the IlliniShop.com. Just search for MASH sweater. So that's where the attorneys call if they want to stop, uh, send them a cease and desist <laughs> a letter. By the time you get there, it may not be for sale anymore, <laughs> folks. We may have put the kibosh on the Henry Blake sweater by now, but uh, for a limited time, you can still get one. But if you've got one, put it up on eBay in a couple of weeks and you're going to do real well. And right now, I think would be a good time to reiterate that my size is XXL. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Halloween, um, if anybody's dressing up as any MASH-themed characters for Halloween, or if you've done it in the past, hmm. send us those pictures too. You can send them to us through our Facebook page, on Twitter, or you can go to our website. Uh, but send us your pictures, and we'll, we'll share those as well when we get closer and closer to 
Halloween. <laughs> okay, so one more thing before we get to some more listener questions is yeah. we have delayed the season three episode discussion for far too long, and it will probably be delayed for a few more episodes as well. However, we want to go ahead and put the call out right now. We want to know what is your favorite MASH episode from season three. Mm. And let me tell you, MASH season three is stacked with some awesome episodes just a few of them officer of the day springtime adam's ribs was in season three a full rich day private charles lamb house arrest the consultant big mac and here's a big one abyssinia henry Mm. that's just a few of them you can go online find the whole list but please let us know your favorite season three episodes and why they're your favorite episodes. And we will include some of your comments in an upcoming season three retrospective here on Mash Matters. You know, and I think season three was uh, so electric and had so many interesting episodes in it because, you know, everything gets a little better as you do it and as you practice it. Mm-hmm. And so there were two years of Mash. And not only from the writers, but the actors and the directors and the producers and everybody was feeling their way, certainly the first year and even the second year. So by the third year, you kind of get a groove. And I think MASH started to really hit that groove in that third year. So that's, I think, why there were so many uh, interesting episodes, because everybody was feeling their oats and going, okay, we got this. I know how to do this. Yeah, it was firing on all 4,077 cylinders uh, by the season. It was was amazing. Yeah. So um, I think that's all the uh, the business that we needed to cover. I guess we can just jump right into the mailbag and, and uh, answer some more listener questions. All right. Hey, mail call. Yes, yes, yes. I'll write you a long letter right away. You got a letter written in mumble. Listen, everybody, I got a whole bunch of letters here, and they're all on stationery from the Pierre Hotel. Hey, Ryan and Jeff, my name is Ken Prince from Toronto, Canada. I grew up watching MASH with my dad. It is one of the few shows I remember watching as a little boy. It was on every night, even after the show ended. Really? Okay. Now, my son, who has autism, watches MASH with me, and he thinks it's a great show, and that's terrific. It is a show we can bond over. And, you know, that's, a, that's kind of a common theme we hear, mm-hmm. um, is that families bond over, their children bond uh, with their parents, mother or father, watching, you know, the show. And I think, you know, going back to something Alan Alda once said, that he felt that the experience of watching MASH was about the bonding process between parent and child. And if you were watching my mother, the car, you would have had a really emotional kind of connection to my mother, the car. So Mm -hmm. whether it was the television show or the bonding experience is kind of up in the air, but we hear so many people say this. uh, That's very interesting. Anyway, he says, I have two questions for you. Uh, Have either of you read the book by Richard Hooker or the movie by Robert Altman and your thoughts? Well, um, you know, uh, I saw the original movie, mm-hmm. MASH. I did not read the book. Did you read the books? I did not read the books. I've read the first book, the original book, which was MASH, a novel about three army doctors. I have read that one. Mm-hmm. I have not read any of the subsequent books. You know, Richard Hooker, he wrote the the first book. He also wrote MASH Goes to Maine. And then Mm -hmm. there were a series of other books that were written. Credit is given to Richard Hooker, but really it was written by William Butterworth. They went on to write another like 13 MASH books. And then they really got silly as they went on. I've read reviews of them. After reading the reviews, I don't want to read the other MASH books. (laughs) It's MASH Goes to New Orleans and MASH Goes to Paris and MASH Goes to 
Morocco and Mash goes to Texas and yeah. Moscow. and Mon- I mean, it, it's kind of ridiculous. So anyway, I have read the original book and really the, the movie adaptation, I think, very closely follows the original book. There are some things and some characters that don't ever make it to the movie. There are some things from the book, I think, that, that carried over into the television show. But for the most part, I think the, the motion picture, the Robert Altman film, pretty closely follows the book. Although I don't think uh, Richard Hooker was ever a fan of the movie. Or the television show. Or the television show. Yeah. Yeah. I I certainly saw the movie. In fact, a million years ago, I was one of the casting directors who cast some of the people in that movie, which is really weird. Really? Really. Really. Very, very strange. Huh. So I've had a very <laughs> incestuous relationship with MASH in 20th Century Fox <laughs> and all versions of MASH except the, the book. I would, yeah, I would like to talk about the movie more in depth, mm-hmm. maybe, in a, maybe in a future episode, because we've had a few other other questions and voicemails that have come in about the movie. Oh, good. Okay. And so let's table this for now. And somewhere down the line, we will do maybe an entire episode just kind of talking about the movie. I would like to do that. And yeah. I can, again, uh, blow my horn about casting people in the movie. Yeah. Mr. Prince, Ken writes one more question. Was Jeff ever invited to do a guest spot on Aftermash, the small series that came after MASH? Again, a MASH Matters podcast idea. Thanks for the podcast, he said, enjoying it tremendously. Thank you, Ken. We appreciate that very, very much. Well, the answer was no. (laughs) I was not invited to a guest spot on After MASH. And oh, gosh, too bad that series failed miserably. Oh, huh. Really? Ah, well, gee, I wonder why. Uh, is there a connection there? <laughs> yeah, perhaps, you know, maybe if they'd have asked certain people to be on the show, maybe it would have helped. I don't know. Just, you know, hands waving in the air. Just saying. Who knows? But no, uh, they didn't uh, seem to need me. So they didn't ask me. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, poor Igor went off to be a pig farmer. So there was no room for him in a, in a new hospital, I guess. So let me ask you, because we haven't really talked about Aftermath, and that's, again, a subject that we can probably fill an entire episode with eventually. But what were your thoughts when you heard there was going to be a spinoff of MASH starring three of the stars from the series? What were your initial feelings when you heard that? You know, a lot of people say things like, well, I'll be honest with you, you know, and you go, well, wait a minute. You mean you could possibly lie to me? (laughs) My honest feeling was I thought it was an awful idea. (laughs) I really did. I, MASH was such a unique perspective of a very difficult event in our world. And I thought it was not going to work if you took even those same people and put them in a modern day hospital. It wasn't really about necessarily those people. It was about a very uh, horrendous event that those people happened to be in. And I didn't think that even taking those identical people and putting them in a different modern environment was meaningful or would have the same impact, even close to the same impact that MASH did. Because the themes, the ideas, the difficulties, the problems that they were having were certainly not as dramatic as something like MASH did. So I I didn't think it was a good idea. And I don't think, obviously, anybody else did because it it just kind of didn't work. Not to, you know, certainly everybody was very talented and credible who was in the show. uh, And Larry Gelbart was part of the writing staff. But even so, I don't think everybody's heart was in it the same way that they were in MASH. So anyway, that was my opinion. I didn't think it was going to work. And golly gee, it didn't. 
Just saying. A lot of people may not realize it did last for two seasons. Yes. Because it's always been known kind of as one of the most notorious and most famous flops on television. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, too. I've not watched all of it. And I don't know why. I've tried to watch it, and it just feels strange. Mm -hmm. It's like these characters that I love are so far out of their element that I feel weird watching them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The conflict of the war and the, the tension of the war is gone. Right. Now these are three characters who are basically dealing with uh, hospital administration. Ooh. Ooh, that'll grab you. I mean, every medical show on TV has that already. So it, that's nothing new Yeah, there, but you know, you have to think there there were some very talented people behind Aftermath. Yeah. I mean, Larry Gelbar came back to create yep. it. Gene Reynolds was involved. Ken Levine and David Isaacs, they were writing on it. You had Harry Morgan and Jamie Farr and William Christopher. I mean, you had on paper what should have at least worked in some way, but for some reason, it just never did quite click. Going back to that, what you said, it lasted for two seasons. I think probably, even though it may... It was on for two seasons. I don't think it was building speed or getting any traction. No. MASH did not do well for the first two seasons. It was in it was in big trouble of being canceled. By the way, I started at the very end of the second season. So there you go. Just saying, hands waving in the air. The third season, it took off and became a huge hit. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think the network geniuses and everybody was were going, hey, MASH was almost going to be canceled the first two seasons. So let's give this some room. Let's see if it's going to work. Let's see if it grows. But it just didn't. Uh, they they just couldn't get it up and running like they finally did MASH at, towards the end of the second season of MASH. Um, but Gene Reynolds and uh, Larry Gelbart went to bat for MASH when it was, you know, CBS wanted to cancel it. They went in and said, no, 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 please, 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 please. And it Showed up for the third season, and boy, that's when it really took off. Well, the legend is, is that William Paley, who was the head of CBS, that his wife loved the show, and she, you know, I guess pillow talk at night, she talked it up and said, hey, you need to give this show a chance. And so uh, thank you, Mrs. Paley, for having your husband's ear and uh, convincing him to give MASH uh, a chance. Because, yeah, it came dangerously close to being canceled after that second season. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're thinking, you know, I've never seen Aftermash. I don't know what you're talking about. It was never released on DVD. It's not streaming. How can I watch it? Well, we had a message from Jeremy Ginsburg. He says, hey, I love your podcast. I'm dropping a line to let you guys know I was able to find Aftermash online and the Walter Pilot. Uh, I know they're very hard to find. Didn't know if there was any interest to your podcast to have on the show. He says, by the way, I'm one of those people you, you guys talk about who watch the show, even though I wasn't alive for the airing. Uh, I think I've seen every episode 20 plus times, so I really love your podcast. Well, thank you, Jeremy. We really love hearing messages like yours. So yeah, Aftermash and Walter, which we'll get to here in a moment, those are both available on YouTube. Now, they're really poor transfers. Obviously, somebody recorded Aftermash on VHS or Betamax many, many years ago and then transferred it over digitally. So it's not clean, crisp. But if you are interested in watching Aftermash, we'll put a couple of links in the show notes. And then there's the show called Walter, and it was just a pilot. Can you... Give me, a, in short, Reader's Digest Hollywood terms, what a pilot is, Jeff. Yes, I can. A pilot is one show made in order to try and sell that show to the network. So a network will say, okay, that's Mash uh, Walter thing. Okay, let's 
good. We'll pay for one show, show it to us. And if we like it, then we'll order 26 more shows. So that's what a pilot is. And a pilot can either be uh, then grow to 26 more shows from the network, or they can say, nah, I didn't like it. Never mind. And that's the end of the pilot idea. And occasionally, they don't do this really anymore, but uh, back in the day, they would take some of these pilots that were not sold and they would air them once, uh, usually in the summertime, because, you know, that's when nobody was watching. Well, they're one of these pilots that went unsold is a show called Walter. This is in 1984. So this is, uh, I guess it would be during the late part of the first or early part of the second season of Aftermath. They tried to sell a show about radar, except again, taking a character and putting them in a situation and an environment where they have no reason to be there is what killed this because Instead of having him as radar in Iowa, they send him to St. Louis and they make him a police officer. <laughs> what the heck are they doing? What are they thinking? And again, God love him. But Larry Gelbart and Gene Reynolds were both involved with that one as well. Needless to say, it went nowhere. But if you're interested in watching the pilot of Walter, I have watched it and it is not easy to watch. There's a reason it did not get picked up. You can also find that on YouTube, and we'll put a link in the show notes as well. It'd be like taking Robin Hood and and putting him in an department store, you know, as the the clerk <laughs> in the men's department. It's like what? Huh? Wait, shouldn't he be working in the tights department? Well, absolutely. The absolutely. The yeah. brilliant geniuses, they'd probably put him in the you know men's department and it wouldn't work. In the tights department, he might have worked. I don't know. <laughs> So are we going to talk about this uh, tattoo guy? This is an interesting thing. Wow. Yeah. From Russell Meyer. Hi. Hey, guys. I thought I'd share my latest tattoo with you. It's the signpost from MASH with personalization. The first is my wife's name with our anniversary, then each kid in birth order with their birth date. My wife designed it. Once my wife had the drawing done, it only took the artist about an hour to ink it. Now, I know... You folks can't see the picture unless we're, are we going to put this picture up and show this? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put it on our website and we'll, we'll throw it up on Facebook as well and Twitter and you can see it there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is him taking his, his family and his favorite show and combining them into one. And uh, he made his own personalized signpost into a tattoo mm -hmm. on his lower leg. Yep. Wowie. Boy, it's kind of cool. I mean, y if you're going to do that kind of thing, I'm not a big tattoo guy. I don't have any yet, of course. I don't have one. But if you're going to do it, I can certainly, you know, appreciate, you know, putting your family and making your family a permanent member of your calf. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. I I'm not a tattoo guy either. I don't have any yet. Um, Jeff, if we do decide to get some, let's, let's get matching ones. What do you oh, say? Oh, absolutely. A yin and yeah, yang. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to mention this because just like we said earlier about MASH Halloween costumes, if you have a MASH tattoo that you want to show off, send us a picture. We'll let people see it, you know, because maybe you'll inspire other people to get MASH themed tattoos. And there are quite a few out there. If you just Google MASH tattoos, you can get an eyeful of some that are really well done and some that are really not well done. Your request has kind of made me nervous. I'm not sure. I, I'm a little nervous about what we're going to see. <laughs> I'm interested, but nervous. Maybe we won't post every one of them that comes in. Let's just put it that way. 
<laughs> from Chris to Karchik. I'm guessing that's how you pronounce your last name. Chris, I'm sorry if I'm destroying your last name, but Chris, he says, hello, Ryan and Jeff. I've been a MASH fan for many years and would watch it with my parents all the time. Aha! Once again, see there? Uh-huh. Now I watch it constantly on Hulu, and my favorite show is always at my fingertips. Same here, Chris. He said, I found this picture on Reddit of Prince Charles visiting the MASH set and meeting the main cast from the show. Does Jeff remember this visit and what it was all about? Thank you guys so much for doing this podcast. I'm learning a lot about the show, and it's been a fantastic insight into the show. Keep up the good work, guys. So he sent us a picture that he found. It is Harry Morgan, Alan Alda, Loretta Swit. They're in costume. Then you have Gary Berghoff and uh, you see uh, Jamie Farr standing next to Prince Charles, who is holding an inflated rubber glove, <laughs> which is looks like it's outside of the soundstage there on the, on the Fox lot. Now, the question that he posed is, do you, Jeff, remember anything about this visit? No. Okay, great. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Not a thing. I wasn't there. Don't know why he was there. Don't know what they were doing. Funny picture. But no, I I wasn't there. I don't know what the heck they were doing. So I guess he was just sort of taking a tour of the studio and they brought him to MASH. And Yeah, well, I did a little bit of research on this and found out it was October of 77. Okay. And uh, Prince Charles was in the U.S. He was there for like a two-week visit. And it was October 27th. Uh, he goes to a private luncheon on the studio lot there at the Fox lot. Cary Grant was there, Lauren McCall, Charlton Heston, as well as the cast of MASH. Uh, apparently, MASH was one of his favorite shows, and he expressed interest in visiting the set. I mean, obviously, Fox is not going to say no to Prince Charles, so they brought him over to the set. He actually watched uh, them film one of the episodes. They believe that the episode that he watched was Comrades in Arms, uh, either part one or part two, or maybe both. That's the episode where Hawkeye and Hot Lips end up in a hut under enemy fire, and they end up having a little romantic escapade. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a little awkward that that's the episode Prince Charles is watching. <laughs> Evidently, he asked to visit the set of another show as well. Uh, his other favorite show he wanted to uh, visit was the set of Charlie's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine why, you know? Yeah, why would he want to go there? Hmm, that's weird. Well, I can think of three reasons. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And uh, we will put this picture that was sent to us here in the show notes as well. I wish I'd been there to meet Prince Charles. I was there when uh, President Gerald Ford came through. And that was very exciting. I had never met a president, and he came on the set, and uh, he was extremely charming, much more charming than he was on television. So anybody that actually remembers Gerald Ford might go, oh, yeah, he was kind of a dull guy on TV. <laughs> but I'm telling you, in person, he was very funny, very, very charming, and you could see why he was a politician and how he you know, was able to survive in that world because he was a very, very pleasant fellow to talk to uh, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, and he was there and I got to shake his hand and hang out for a little bit. And I think he watched a scene be shot. And uh, I was very excited because somebody took a picture. It was a Polaroid picture. Mm. It was an instant camera. So they took the picture and 60 seconds later, they handed me the shot of me and President Gerald Ford. And I was thrilled with that picture. So I put it in my pocket and then I went to my dressing room and I took off my clothes and put on my street clothes and uh, went back to the set. I think to hang out some more or eat food or drink a beer or something that they were going to do. And then I was on the set for about another hour and then went back into the dressing room. 
and they moved the clothes around because sometimes the wardrobe people would come in and move stuff around and collect stuff or whatever. And my clothes had been moved. My army clothes had been moved. And that picture was gone. Mm. So I didn't mm-hmm. get that picture with myself and Gerald Ford to stick in my scrapbook. So somebody has it, if anybody has it. I'd like it back, please. Yeah, I just saw it on eBay. I placed a bid. Oh, I mean, I, oh. <laughs> uh, that's sad. Yeah. That is sad. That a bummer. You know, I never met a president. That's kind of fun to do and have a picture with me and him. And he was very, it, again, really nice guy, Gerald Ford. Really, really cool guy. Anyway. From Larry Coracell. He says, I just started listening to your podcast. Love it. I just listened to the fifth episode of Mash Matters. Yes, I have a lot of catching up to do. Regarding the Groucho Marx references in the show, that was something that actually began with Robert Altman's film from 1970 with Elliot Gould as Trapper. Gould was good friends with Groucho and began doing Groucho-isms on the set, and Altman told him to keep it going. Of course, Alda and Gelbart were also Groucho fans, but I can't help but think that the idea must have somewhat been inspired by the original film. Loving your podcast so far, keep up the great work. Larry, lifelong MASH fan since 1972. Thank you, Larry. By the way, I uh, if you follow us on Twitter, we'll follow you back. And uh, Larry followed us on Twitter, and I saw recently that Larry, who uh, is in radio and has been for many years, was recently inducted into the Dayton Area Broadcasters Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Larry Coracell for his big achievement. Well, that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. That's very nice. Very nice. I'm not sure that that Groucho Marx reference is as he is uh, portraying it, or uh, I'm not sure. We're going to have to ask Alan Alda. We're going to have to get him on this podcast and just ask him that. Say, look, Al, what was the Groucho Marx deal already? Come on. What do you, you got? You can't be creative. You got to do a Groucho Marx. So it'll be interesting to find out. I We're going to do some research and find the truth. It may be exactly as Larry says. He is a certainly a, an award-winning person, so he must know stuff. Uh, but I'm not certain about it. Um, Based on what I know of Alan Alda and how he works and how his brain works in terms of his acting process, I'm not sure, but we'll we'll find out. It might be just a coincidence, but there might be more to it than that. Uh, It could have been more Alan influence. It could be Elliot Gould's influence. It could be Larry Gelbart's influence. It could be that all three of them owed money to Groucho, and this is the only way that they could repay it at the time. Who knows? We'll find out, though. We will get to the bottom of this Groucho inspiration very, very soon. From Mark Preter. Hey, Jeff and Ryan, I discovered the podcast a couple of weeks back and have been binge listening ever since. Jeff, thanks for all the awesome memories of Igor. Well, you're very welcome. Who is definitely one of my favorite supporting characters on the show. Ah, thank you, Mark. Even after you creamed Father Mulcahy's precious corn on the cob. MASH means a great deal to me, as it was one of the things my dad and I bonded over when I was a kid. Hmm, where have we heard that before? There it is again. Although dad passed away over 20 years ago, I'm sorry to hear that. Whenever I watch the show, which I do several times a week, I feel that he is with me. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Watching and laughing just as we were all those years ago. Keep up the good work, guys, and I will definitely keep on listening. Yes, thank you, Mark. Please do. MASH truly does matter. And will continue to do so for a very, very long time. 
That's cool. Yes. Thank you, Mark. And I think that's a great place to wrap up this episode 25 of MASH Matters. Jeff, it has been a pleasure. Indeed, Ryan. I just want to say one thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to say, here's looking up your old address. 